Good morning, America. Here we go. Welcome to Legal Anatomy of Current Events. I'm Gary Bell, along with Brad Pollack. Today, we're talking about insider trading. You know, an ex-Goldman investment banker was recently convicted of insider trading. So what is it? And can you have legal insider trading? And what is illegal insider trading? And you're going to learn all that today. We're going to anatomize your mind. So here we go. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. That's one small step for man. Ask not what your country can do for you. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. You can see the two towers, a huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. Title IX, the landmark civil rights law. It marked a watershed moment for women's rights when it passed in 1972. And the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. Legal anatomy of current events. Preparing for launch. Legal anatomy of current events. Launch sequence started. T minus 10. Internal power green to go. LES ready for ignition. T minus 9. 8. 7. We have ignition. 5. 4. Commit for launch green. 3. 2. 1. We have liftoff. Legal anatomy of current events. All for you. Now on the air. All right, insider trading. Uh, it's, it's a legal complicated uh, definition, but we're going to break it down for you and make it kind of easy to understand. This ex-Goldman investment banker was recently convicted of insider trading. So the first thing I want to tell you is it's a hard case to prove for prosecutors. They usually have to get a tip. They usually have to have a witness. They usually have to have somebody flip. Not always, though. And we're going to show you today. And we're going to teach you today what the difference between illegal insider trading is and legal insider trading and i'm going to give you a little bit of a disclaimer here at the beginning you know if you have questions on your own trading activities we can't advise you you're probably going to have to talk to your own securities attorney or other expert or, or advisor but we're going to give you the legal analysis and the legal breakdown of the current events and that's insider trading that's it's established by the securities exchange commission there was a SEC Act of 1934. That was a big event. Why? Why? Because that was right after the stock market crash. And there really was no regulation. And so somebody said, well, we better have some regulation. So they invented the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission. And now it's a huge entity with all kinds of professionals, all kinds of uh, experts, all kinds of employees, all kinds of attorneys. And they invent the rules. You know, we earlier did a show on how can administrative uh, agencies in, in America control your life, and we said and we showed you legally how they can do that, and this is just one agency. But today we're talking about insider trading. So first, before we get to Brad, you have to have the definition of an insider. To know what insider trading is, you need to know what an insider is. So an insider, and you take a company, company XYZ, you know, it's a board of director member. It's a high-ranking officer. Uh, generally speaking, it can be the president, the CFO, the CEO, the executive officers, some subordinate officers. So those are insiders. And there's also insiders in brokerage companies that get confidential information about companies. And I think what we're going to teach you today is going to open your eyes. Also, you can be an insider if you own 10% or more of a company. 
you know, trading publicly. And so, what is inside information? And then I'm going I'm to turn it over to Brad because he, he, he's well uh, healed in this area. Inside information is material, significant information about the financial condition or other condition of a company that's non-public. It's not public. So somebody's going to make a lot of money. And we're going to show you how that works today. Somebody's going to make a lot of money. So, Brad, let's get into this insider trading business uh, and, and go through a little history. And there's been some uh, there's been some pretty famous people convicted of insider trading. Oh, oh there have been, and it's an important element uh, because let's face it. Uh, in 1934, you talked about the crash and the need to rebuild our our uh, financial system here in this country, and our financial system needed to be rebuilt in a way that caused people to be willing to invest in public companies. And that's an important situation or important deal because people need to invest. Those public companies are on the stock market. And when we're dealing with people on the stock market, uh, we have to have confidence that when I put my money in, or when any of you listeners put your money in, or when anybody in this room puts their money in, that they have confidence that it's going to be properly, or that the company in which you're investing is going to be properly dealt with, that it's going to be a fair deal for everyone concerned. And, of course, you can't have that confidence if you think there's a bunch of insiders who are out there taking advantage of you, the consumer, or taking advantage of the investor, or taking advantage of somebody who's about to buy stock because all of a sudden they're selling their stock and they're doing it because they know something that we don't. Because why? Well, we're not 10% owners. We're not in a fiduciary relationship with the company such that we have the information that allows us to be able to make the, um, the, the decision is to buy or sell stock. A lot of times we think we're doing it on a tip, something hot, something special. You know, you get up in the morning and you listen to your favorite TV show, news show, and they talk about a company that just got a breakthrough in this or that, and you think, oh, I'm going to run out and buy that stock. Well, you're going to be less inclined to do it if you, if you know that the people who have inside information, who are working at the company, who have the inside information of the transactions about to go down, already did those transactions a month ago or a month and a half ago, and they've already taken advantage of the increase in value to the company, and now you're going to be left without being able to do that. Why would you ever put your money into the market if you do that? Now, at the same time, Gary, you know, without insulting anybody, you've got to understand you're dealing with high rollers, people who have a lot of money, who do millions of dollars of transactions, and a lot of them, I'm not going to say all of them, I'm not even going to say all the people we might talk about today, but a lot of them have been, are, are motivated by greed. And because they're motivated by greed, they don't have a problem of taking advantage of and jumping in and getting this money, our money, the regular consumer's, the regular investor's money, without them getting a chance to have a level playing field. You know, Brad, when you were talking, I almost came up with the idea of kind of a new American idiom for you today to end the show, and that might be, you know, when you're late to the party, when you're late to the party in the stock market, you, you're not going to fare well most of the time. So people with inside information can make a lot of money. And we're going to talk to you today about option trading, and we're going to talk to you about how they're leveraged and how they do it, and, and exactly break down for you legally. That's what we do on Legal Anatomy of Current Events. We break it down for you legally how this actually happens. Now, the story we have is this ex-Goldman banker. Uh, he got some inf inside information. 
there's a there's a an email list in Goldman in Goldman Sachs that talks about at risk or low risk or high risk. There's an email list, and he got some information that something was about to happen to a company. Something. So that's a typical scenario, and it's usually something bad. Not always. It can be good where the stock price is going to shoot high, uh, okay, but something bad is going to happen. And so then here comes the tip. You give a tip to somebody, and usually you have to trace it. You give somebody has the inside information, they give it to a sister. They give it, the sister gives it to an uncle. An uncle opens up a trading account, and boom, there it is. And then we're going to teach you today how the SEC tracks these, these insider traders, how they find them, how they go after it. So it's going to be a fascinating show. And then, as I said, we're going to teach you how this can be legal. Right, so wouldn't you like to know that? And how would you benefit from that? Okay, so, but on this Goldman Sachs um, gentleman, he, he tried to um, get away from it. He had a buddy. One of his buddies flipped on the, to the FBI. He flipped and got all wired up and met him in the hallway where they were going to delete some things on the WhatsApp app, and um, he had it all recorded. Well, yeah, and, and Mr. Gohl, and I don't think there's a problem saying his name nope. because it's, it's known uh, he was convicted. Uh, Mr. Gohl, um, and I'll probably mess up the name of Mr. Naranjan, and I think Naranjan was the buddy who flipped on him. He, got, he flipped on, with he, the FBI. He was wired up, as you said, and uh, when they were going to talk, start talking about how to uh, deal with or how to address um, Mr. Goal and the fact that he was using inside information to, to take advantage of uh, financial profits. The, the amazing part of it is, is that from what I can see and what I read, the profits he recognized were about $280,000 in profits from insider trading in 2017 and 2018. Uh, the man probably makes that much or made that much in six months on his paycheck. Or, or less, maybe or, a month. Or less, maybe yeah. a month, maybe two months. Uh, and once again, it's a matter of just grabbing at money that wasn't necessary for him to do. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I, I wonder if they do it for the – for the rush of the money or for the rush of the game and the fun of the game, um, I have no doubt that they know, all of them that have been convicted, and we can talk about three, four, five of them, that they know they're engaging in insider trading. They know what they're doing wrong. They know that if they're going to do that, they need to get themselves involved in, and they need to get themselves, uh, they need to fill out forms three, four, and five at least uh, that the SEC requires. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that you <laughs> took on the volunteer, you volunteered in this show to say you're going to explain what's legal and what's not legal insider trading, because sometimes it sounds like the, the, the same act can be illegal if you don't fill out the forms, but if you fill out the forms, it becomes legal. Right, and, and it's a fine line, legal and illegal, but there is legal insider trading and we're going to teach you that today. But let's focus right now on the legal, illegal part of it, the convictions. The SEC goes after this. This is not a small thing to the SEC. Why? Because the stock market is almost a zero-sum game. Look, if I'm going to go in there and I'm going to make $2.5 million, somebody's going to get whacked. Somebody's going to lose the $2.5 million on the other side of the transaction. And that's the way it's going to be. But the other thing... And this is how the SEC tracks this. Look, you can make money on inside information whether the stock's going to go skyrocketing or if it's going to go down. Either way, if you just know in advance, 
For example, there's many of the way that, ways this happens, but for example, if you get uh, earnings is a big deal in, in the in the uh, stock market. Uh, earnings of companies is a big deal. They report earnings. They're required by the SEC to report earnings on certain dates. Well, if you know, if you're part of the company and you know earnings are going to take, and you know your stock is going to go south, look, you can you can short the stock, but if you really really want to make a lot of money, you can buy put options, and put options are accelerated money. And accelerated, and I call it the acceleration of money because I trade options myself, and I call it the acceleration of money. You get great leverage, and you can make a lot of money, but you got to know which direction the stock is going to take. That's why these people sometimes cannot help themselves. So they contact the sister. They contact the uncle. They set up a trading account at another brokerage house. Okay, but the thing, Brad, that we want to teach everybody today right now is one of the ways the SEC tracks this it, it, these people are not going for a $10,000 profit. They're not going for a $25,000 day. They're going to hit it out of the park. And so they're going to buy two and a half, three and a half, four and a half million dollars of options, call options or put options. And then the SEC can see that close to an event like earnings, close to an announcement like a merger, close to a significant event, Somebody in the stock market made $4.5 million. And don't you think, under that old Watergate philosophy, they will follow the money, Brad? Well, yeah. And I think sometimes you call it on yourself if you're a corporate insider or if you uh, mix with corporate insiders, your friends or family of the corporate insiders. If you um, are a big name, I think you sometimes put yourself into a situation where, again, you, um, you call it on yourself to be watched by the SEC. Uh, like I said, you know, it, we're going to get into, I believe, the Martha Stewart case. Right. Um, and, you know, that one had very little, very little money that she saved or she made by doing what she did. Um, but it got her five months in prison. Uh, well, yeah, well, let's talk about the Martha Stewart case. It was a, it was a brokerage tip uh, and somebody, and then she was said she was on an airplane heading to Mexico with some of her girlfriends, and she got a tip that she better sell this, sell this M-Clone stock because it's going to go south, it's going to tank, and she sold it, and the next day, along with some other people, <laughs> along with some other people, it tanked, and she made, she made money. Right, and, but th- the only thing she made was about Forty or fifty thousand dollars. Right, forty or fifty grand is what's been reported anyway. Now, you know, once again, I don't have any inside information, uh, but she made about forty or fifty thousand dollars. That's nothing to Martha Stewart. That's not very much money. Now, did it cost her a lot as a result? Well, yeah, she went through a trial. Uh, she probably spent more than that on the lawyers representing her in the trial. She had to go through. She had to divest herself of what she made. Uh, she had to have five months, I think, of house arrest or probation or something and five months of actual prison time. Uh, she, it, it harmed her company and caused her to lose literally millions from her company. At least that's what, the predict, what, what they say happened. And it, it was all because she, in the rush of it, you know, get, getting that stock sold was so important to her when it really, you know, uh, would have just needed, she needed to stop, look, and listen Type situation. Now, once again, I don't know if there were certain forms she could have filled out that would have allowed her to have that same exact tr- uh, transaction uh, turn into a legal transaction. But I can't imagine there was because this is taking advantage of some internal information 
that had been leaked. And uh, she probably, uh, I don't know any circumstances under which uh, our SEC has said you can take internal information and act on it when it's not supposed to be known to anybody. And uh, you're taking advantage of everybody else. But yet, if you fill out this form, we're going to make it all okay. Right. Well, and usually the investor can't fill out the form. It's the corporate insiders that have to fill out the form. And we're going to get into that and teach you about that as forms number three, forms number four, and forms number five. But back to Martha Stewart. So uh, she sold 4,000 shares of M-Clone stock, okay, on December 27th. And that was the day before. The day before. The Food and Drug Administration refused to review M-Clone's system cancer treatment. So she sold 4,000 shares of stock. Other people sold stock based on a tip. And the next day, the FDA didn't approve M-Clone's drug, and so the, the stock went south. I'm not sure it's ever recovered, and a lot of money changed hands. And that's what this is all about. She knew that was going to be reported. She knew they were going to refuse to 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 uh, to approve the drug. So you know, we say it's the day before it was announced. I don't want people thinking, going, well, how was she supposed to know what's going to happen the next day? How was she supposed to be able to guard against that? She maybe she was just betting on the come. Maybe the next day it was going to be approved, and there would have been a lot of money made, and she would have missed out on a lot of money made. Uh, no. She had some information that, w that made it pretty certain to her, at least, made it pretty certain to everyone that it was not going to be approved. And you're going to see how the SEC tracks this. Watch this. Or just on the Martha Stewart case by itself, right? Watch this. Uh, December 27th was, was the day she sold her stock. And then, as we just said, the FDA made its announcement the next day. And the stock tumbled. But John Landis dumped $2.5 million worth of the company's stock on December 6, Ronald Martell, M-Clone's vice president of marketing, sold $2.1 million worth of company stock on December 11th, and four other company executives cashed in on shares between December 12th and 21st, and that's something the SEC says is too coincidental. We can't ignore it. We're going to follow the money, and that's how it, gets, how it get, comes to the surface, and that's what happened. Now, so you're, at, you're acting on a tip from a broker, do you have inside information? Let me let me give you some examples, and then then we'll go back to it. There's been there's been examples in this country. I think you've heard about the congressman that took the phone call on the White House lawn, and I believe he was convicted of insider trading just based on that phone call. The SEC takes these cases seriously because when somebody makes two and a half million dollars, somebody just lost two and a half million dollars on the other side of the transaction. And they didn't have the, the, the material, non-public information. They didn't have it at all. And so now we've covered the Martha Stewart case. We've covered the ex-Goldman Sachs case. So you cannot engage in, in, in insider trading. Insider trading is getting inside information that's non-public, that's significant and material, that's going to drive, drive the value of the company up or down, and you can make money either way. Yeah, I think your I think your congressman was Stephen Beyer, if I remember correctly, or if I've got my information correctly. He's the one who was a, a former U.S. congressman from Indiana. He engaged in actually two separate uh, insider trading schemes to steal material non-public information that he obtained through consulting work and place timely profitable security trades based on that stolen information. And if you want to read 
kind of like a novel, like a, a one of, one of those novels that you you read about love and war and all sorts of things. He'd be a good one to get uh, get his what what he did in that thing because I I think if I remember right, he's the one that was stealing the information from his girlfriend, who was a lawyer, and she was a lawyer for the company that was doing the stock trend, the stock business or the business deals. And she didn't know he was stealing it, but he was getting the information off of her computer. And I think that's what that he's the one that was doing that, if I remember. So right. if you think you're going to get away with it, you're probably not going to get away with it because these, these cases are tracked. They can see it. And as we said, people are doing this. They're not going for a short gain of 10 grand. Oh, I, and I, get, I got it wrong. That was actually um, Seth Markin, who was the one who had the girlfriend. Was it, and he was the former FBI agent trainee, yeah. right? Well, he was, he was an FBI agent trainee. trainee, right? Right, he was a trainee, and he got himself a girlfriend. I apologize to Mr. Byer. He's not the one who was doing that. But he was convicted. I believe Mr. Byer was convicted just in March of this year. And I don't think he's been sentenced yet, but he was convicted. So, um, you know, well, let me, let me give you some examples of this so you get a, a better flavor. Or I think he was given three years. Yeah. In my contact, he was given uh, three years. A U.S. congressman charged with insider training based on inside information obtained from consulting work. Consulting work. So you get you don't have to be in, inside the corporation. You can get the information, like if you work for Goldman Sachs, if you work for another brokerage. If you read their email list, their private confidential email list, and you get these tips. So this guy was convicted from inside information he got from consulting work. Then that when we had, as we just alluded to, the former FBI agent trainee and friend was charged with insider training based on information stolen from the trainee's former girlfriend. I think that's when you were just yes, that's that's Mark, when you were just that's talking Mr. about Mr. Markin doing it with a Brandon Wong, right. And then uh, there's another example, a network of individuals, a whole group of individuals charged with insider training based on inside information obtained from the uh, former chief of uh, security off officer of a telecommunications company. So if somebody's going to leak a tip to you, right, it's, that's where they get the information, but it has to be significant, material, non public information that's going to affect the value of the stock. Now, you know, something like, like take the Markin and Wong case. Um, they passed out that information to a number of people. And, it, it you know, as I understand it, they there, there were at least 20 people in on that, you know, on, on doing stock transactions based on the information that was available. And you stop and think about these are, these are smart people. Yeah. who were involved in these kind of transactions. They're not, they're not people who just, oh, I don't know any better. They know the law. They know the rules. They know that they're giving out private information, but non-public information that people are going to act on. So, you know, sometimes I, I sit and I just wonder, uh, you know, as a little byline on this show, I wonder, do they not know it's coming? Do they not know, you know, you can't pass out a secret to 20 different people and expect it to stay a secret. No. It just doesn't happen. You're not, you're not going to be able to. Especially when those 20 people are all going to go out running around trying to save money or, or trying to make money by doing certain stock transactions that sends up a big red flag to the SEC. Exactly. Let, let, let's give you some examples. What, what kind of information are we talking about? Look, if there's going to be a merger between two big companies, it's going to drive the value of the stock up. If there's going to be a disappointing, dreadful earnings report, 
the stock is probably going to go down. If there's an adverse consequence, right, to the company, let's, let's say a company loses its major supplier of uh, chips for computers, and it can't manufacture them anymore, and it might go out of business in two weeks or three weeks or a month. Well, if you were in that stock transaction before all those things were known and happened, and if you can buy a call option on the upside and a put option on the downside, bingo, you're going to make a lot of money. So, Brad, let's switch our let's switch our gears a little bit to these corporate insiders and and start teaching people about them because you can follow these people. We want you to learn that today. Look, these corporate insiders like a CFO, a executive general, a vice president, lawyer. Uh, executive C- CEO or CFO, Chief Financial Officer. They know what's happening in their company. Wouldn't it be nice if you could follow them? I mean, they know about contracts. They know about is the company doing well. They know about earnings, and they can't tell anybody. So can they trade their own company stock? Well, sure. Of course they can. But here's the key. Here's what you want to look for. They have to file forms with the SEC when they do it. They can't just do it. So that's where the form number three comes in, the form number four, and then the form number five. So if they're going to sell $2.5 million of shares today, the tricky part, it might be to fund a yacht and have nothing to do with anything else, but it might be because their company's doing bad. Well, right. You know, you've got to figure out. These guys, probably most of them working in that high of a position, are getting stock options of some type as part of their salary or as part of their income. Uh, or they're getting stock as part of their income. Maybe not just options, but maybe stock as part of their income. And, of course, they want to exercise it at the right time. And there would be nothing wrong with that if they're playing by the rules. Because, you know, w- what we in the, in, the, in the public want is when we go to invest in, in a certain stock or when we go to get on the market, we want to make sure that company isn't being taken advantage of by its its executive officers in such a manner that they're going to suck up the money and they're going to take and they're going to take advantage of what kind of information they have so they can leave the company high and dry and leave you with nothing one way or the other okay now let's go back to this group of people the chief financial officer maybe the attorney for the company a board of director members they know what's happening in that company they know something good is going to happen and it's going to be announced next week. Can they buy the stock? Yes, they can buy stocks, and there's ways to do it, and the rules are very complicated. Just understand they can buy it, but they have to disclose it. They have to disclose they just bought $2 million of shares today and $4 million last week. Think about this, folks. If you've got a president, CEO of a company, putting $2 million in this week and $4 million of her own money in last week, what do you think you got going in that company? And they have to disclose it on the SEC form. So what does that let you do? As an investor, what does that let you do? You can get onto the SEC database. It's called Edgar. And you can see what high-ranking officials in company XYZ just bought $4 million, sometimes $12 million worth of their own shares do you think they did that because they think they're going to lose money? Now, the same rules don't apply to you. You're just following the forms. You're just looking at the forms they buy. You look at the forms they file with the SEC. So you can invest, and this is not a recommendation, 
We're not registered financial advisors. We're telling you how the system works. You take risks. But what if they're buying it, uh, the stock, because uh, they were going to lose it on a stock option anyway, and they better do something with it? So that's not, that's not going to be what you need. What you need is their knowledge of that company going somewhere, doing something huge or bad, and they know it in advance, but they can't tell you, but you're watching the transaction. You're watching the $4.5 million going to the market from their own money. And, Brad, that's, that, that's a big key, and that's what a lot of people do. Yeah, and the question is, are they acting on non-public information? Uh, and if they are, uh, is st- are they still, in essence, making some of it public when they fill out these forms? And should they be able to sell if they have non-public information? If they have information, non-public material information, and material information is usually information that's going to uh, have some kind of uh, some some kind of major effect on the the price of your stocks on the stock market. So you know you've got to you you've got to watch what's going on. You've got to see what they're doing. Uh, where you get where you get a little trapped. Uh, you or you can get trapped is when, and this is where the SEC steps in, is where somebody decides they're going to try and do that, and they have a relative do this, the purchase or sell the stock, or they have a friend do the purchase or sell the stock, and that's why a lot of times you see these 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 cases. Uh, it's it's a matter of a network of people that are involved, and they're and that network of people have taken action based on the information from the insider where the insider is going to share in some of those profits uh, but, uh, or some of the, the legal gain they, they recognize, uh, where the, 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 it's, the SEC has to be able to track it back and see what's going on. But still, you know, they, rarely do they take a small hit. If it's a small hit of ten, fifty, maybe maybe up to $100,000, the SEC is probably not going to do one thing. Probably not, but we're not guaranteeing that. No, you can't guarantee it. But, you know, it's not going to get on the radar near as easily as if they do a million-dollar transaction. Or five million. Or a five million-dollar transaction. And it's not going to get on the screen near as, near as bright if uh, a, a $10,000 transaction as if you have a $10 million total uh, transactions and you have five people coming together and selling stock at, a, at an amount of $10 million. Or buying stock for $10 million. I'm telling you something right now. There are groups that follow this. There are groups that look at these SEC forms. Because if a president or a chief financial officer of company XYZ buys $11 million of their own stock today, groups follow that. All you have to do is look at the SEC forms. The database is called Edgar. Edgar. And you could follow it. And if they're selling their, their shares, same thing. They might be selling their shares to pay for education, children's education, college, whatever, but they might know something about the company. And so there are groups that follow this. As I said, we're not registered financial advisors. We're not even financial advisors. So you cannot take our money and our talk in this podcast to the bank, and you cannot invest in what we're saying. What we are doing is showing you there's many groups, including some watchdog groups, they follow these companies, and they know when these executives put eight, nine, ten million, four million into their own company out of their own bank account. And there are groups that bet money on it by investing in the same company. And when we said, "Is there legal insider trading?" That's as close as you can get to it, okay? Because you're following the insiders who have declared themselves to be insiders, who have filed the appropriate forms with the SEC, and you're following them. That doesn't mean you have to invest. 
But you know what? Just just try it. Take a look and don't trade any money. Just take a look and see and see what happens with these companies. And you follow this on the on the SEC forms number three, forms for number four, and forms number five. Right now, a lot of times they're not made public fast enough for you to move. Right. Uh, they're, they're, they don't go public until after the transactions occurred. Uh, the event, the trade might have happened before the transaction that causes the company to make a lot of money has happened. But it, it, you know, by the time you see the transaction, the, the forms, uh, it's already gone by and you're, you're out of luck. So that, that, again, is where, you know, get your stock advisor to talk to you about what's going on. Uh, my thing is, is that, um, you know, and, and the, the moral overtone is, is that you've got people with a whole lot of money that sometimes uh, they get themselves into a whole lot of trouble because they want to take advantage of something uh, and, and the greed has driven them more than anything else. Or maybe to look good. You know, they're, they're playing cricket or whatever they play, and they're, they're talking to their buddies, and that, that's one of the cases we've, I, I saw. Yeah, they were playing squash together. Squash together, and they were, and, you know, he started talking, and they formulate an idea on how to make some money on it. But one's talking to the other about what, what's going on, the insider information he's got. Well, you know, that's another thing you want to watch when you're talk, talking about companies and companies that uh, can affect your financial standing. And what kind of money you make is, you know, what kind of persons do you have at the top? And are they people who know how to keep their mouths shut and don't do that kind of stuff? Or what, you know, I think all of us would love to be able to be just one day behind Warren Buffett and be able to put our money in uh, where he puts his money and just be able to do it within 24 hours of where he puts his money. Okay. Although, although he has lost some money. Yeah, he has lost some money. But So there's another little twist to this we need to teach you about before we wrap up the show, and it's called a 10B51. Uh, and what it means is if you're, a, let's say, an insider, a CFO, chief financial officer, and you want to sell $4 million of your stock, you can do a 10B51 plan. What does that mean? That means I, I file a plan with the SEC that says I am, I am going to – I'm going to buy stock today, and I'm going to sell it in four months, and you give the exact date and time. And guess what? <laughs> guess what? Some of those exact dates and times when you sell just happen to match an adverse event in the company. Bingo. But it's now a defense, and these rules have been changed recently by the SEC, so they're very complicated, but now it's a defense to the insider that if they follow the rules – and they do this plan, a 10B51 plan, and they just happen to match it to some event that they didn't know about. They never knew about it. And it's happened that way. Then the lawyers say that's an affirmative defense to the action. Okay, today uh, we're talking to you about insider trading. This is Legal Anatomy of Current Events. We hope to anatomize your mind on insider trading, what it is what it isn't, and can there be legal insider trading? A lot of people call it legal. There's a way to follow the big money by going to the SEC website, the Edgar database, and following what they do. That doesn't mean you should trade or not trade. Some people do. Some people make money by doing it. Some people lose money by doing it. Right. Right. And that's something you got to be careful of because there's no sure thing. 
if you're going to be out there investing in money uh, or you're investing your hard-earned money, uh, you hope you have a good stock advisor, you hope you have a good somebody who knows what they're doing, or you hope you know what you're doing. And you can try and figure out all these special tricks, but the bottom line is is that uh, you've got to understand what you're at risk in and what you're doing. And, and uh, you know, I don't think this show is going to be something that any of uh, the um, insiders are going to be grabbing to listen to. No, they're not going to be grabbing, but, but I want you to know before we wrap up that there are, in addition to people that want to invest like these big guys, invest like the president did, $4 million of shares, Okay, I'll just buy a small chunk. There are watchdog groups that watch these forms, and they got their attorney groups and plaintiff watchdog groups, and and they report them to the SEC when they see this this stuff happening. Okay. Well, they have to, Gary, because you know the bottom line is is that uh, our stock market is so so important to our economy. Yep. And it is our economy. What I mean, it's important to our economy. It is our economy. And if people don't have the confidence and the and the belief that it's being run fairly and appropriately, and it's not just there for people with inside information to suck up everybody else's money, they're not going to invest, and that's going to hurt companies. That's why you go to if you're Martha Stewart. That's why you go to jail for five months and get two years of probation, and and get barred from operating your own company for a period of time, and lose millions of dollars. And lose that, millions of dollars. That her company still hasn't recouped. No. And this happened what four years? Five I don't years know. Ago? Yeah, something like that. Happened quite a while ago. All right, Brad, you got our idiom of the day, American idiom of the day. We always like to do this at the end of every show, so let's cover our American idiom. Well, you had one, but this is the one. Yeah, late to the party. That, that Late to the party. This is the one that I, I was able to grab together that I thought, you know, it, it, it kind of identifies what we're trying to, to fight against, and that's people who want to get on the gravy train. And, you know, when we talk about a gravy train. You don't want to be late to the party, and you you got to get on the gravy train. You want to get on the gravy train. And that's something that allows people to make lots of money with hardly any or no effort. And that's what we're trying to be saying. Be careful. You can, at times, be on the gravy train and be legal. But sometimes, you know, violations of these things carry up to 20 years in prison and $5 million in fines and, and divestiture of what you made. And, and the reason they do that is to protect the innocent public from investing because they didn't have the inside information. And they got burned. And that's no gravy train. That's no gravy train. All right, I've got the quote of the day. The quote of the day comes from Christopher Reeve, who we all admire, right? We have to admire Christopher Reeve. We have to. Christopher Reeve, and he says as follows, so many of our dreams at first seem impossible. Then our dreams seem improbable. And then when we summon the will, when we summon our will, our dreams soon become inevitable. Think about those words. You're listening to the Bell and Pollock Legal Anatomy of Current Events. Our law firm is out of Denver, Colorado. We're glad to do this for you every week. We want to anatomize your mind. See you next week.